0: It's pretty exciting times for an infrastructure builder to figure out, okay, how do we position ourselves to make sure that you can deploy all those, that great technology that's out there. and. When I look at what we're doing with 5G, with our fiber, with what we're doing on the, on the electric grid, and our customer base that's trying to enhance their systems, I believe we're all in a very, very nice spot. You know, for a long, long period of time here, as technology advances and, and the world advances, and I, we're just talking about really the lower 40A, which really the world is advancing, and, and you know, we're certainly in the forefront of that in my mind.
1: Welcome to The Stock Podcast, the only investing podcast where you get to hear interviews with public company CEOs and CFOs. I'm Nate Abercrombie, the host of the podcast, and in this episode, The Stock Podcast is really excited to have Quanta Services CEO and COO Duke Austin on the program. Quanta is classified as an E&C company. The E stands for engineering and the C stands for construction. Sometimes you'll even hear EPC, which stands for Engineering Procurement and Construction. There are a lot of EPC companies out there, but Quanta is different from most because the company provides specialty contracting services in the infrastructure space and a huge portion of the work that they do is self-perform. So what do I mean by that? Well, here's an example. So let's just say an electric utility needs to build a thousand mile long transmission line. Once the utility gets approval from their regulator, the utility will ask contractors like Quanta to submit a bid to design the transmission line, procure the equipment and materials, and then ultimately construct the transmission line. And they do nearly all of the work in-house. It's a huge undertaking that requires a lot of manpower, experience, and expertise. That last characteristic is really important, especially if you want to earn a margin on the projects you're working on. And the self perform component is really one of the many things that distinguishes Quanta from other EPCs who do a significant amount of subcontracting. So in addition to electric infrastructure like transmission lines and distribution lines, Quanta also does the same type of work for oil and gas companies, particularly in the midstream space. So companies that need to build pipelines and other related infrastructure to get hydrocarbons from the wellhead to markets. And finally, Quanta has exposure to the 5G buildout that is taking place across the United States. The point is, if you're someone who's interested in the infrastructure buildout in the US, I think you'll really get a lot of information out of this interview. Just really quickly on the financials, Quanta has a market cap of about 5.4 billion when this podcast was published about $73 million in cash and almost $1.6 million in debt. That puts the enterprise value at right about $7 billion. I should also note that those figures are prior to the recently announced acquisitions that Quantum made last week. Now, before we get to the interview, I ask that you consider something for a moment. My goal in creating this program was to give everyone the chance to hear interviews with public company management teams. Large institutional investors call this corporate access. And investment firms pay hundreds of millions of dollars every year to have access to management. So for that reason, I ask that you consider supporting the program. And there are lots of different ways that you can lend some support. Donations are most welcome. All you have to do is just check out the donate page on the website. So that's thestockpodcast.com and just click on donate. And there's a lot of different ways that you could help support the program there. Or you could subscribe either on the website or on the podcast app that you use. And then finally, you can support the show by spreading the word. Please take a moment to tell someone you know who might get something out of these types of interviews. All right, I'll stop there. Let's get to the interview with Quanta Services CEO and COO Duke Austin. Duke Austin, Thank you very much for joining the Stock Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about your background and your business.
0: Yeah, good morning, uh, happy to be here.
1: If we could just first start out hearing about your background, anything you'd like to share about your background, how you first started at Quanta. And I know that you have an interesting history in the sense that your dad had a company that you started working for a long time ago and then it eventually became part of the Quanta family. And I would just you know, love to hear as much as
0: you'd like to share yeah, sure. Um, you know, native Houstonian family's from here, and um, we had a family business here in town, fourth generation. My uh, great granddad, granddad, uh, dad all worked for a public utility company here in Houston, and eventually my father went into work for a small He was the, the third employee at a company here in Houston, ended up buying it in the 80s. Uh, so I was always, always grew up in the business. And went to the field with him and went and worked in the field when I was a kid through the summers and even after that. And so I knew where I was going out of college and came back into the family business with my father. And, you know, we internally grew it. It was about a, let's call it, seven or eight million dollar company originally. And then we grew it to close to 70. And in 2001, um, sold it to, to Kwana. I had a health issue, had cancer when I was 31, so which is a unique story of three babies and diapers and we needed a great place to, to sell our company and um John Colson who founded the company was here in town. We knew him well and we wanted our people in a good place and New Quanta was a was a great fit for ourselves and our people. Perfectly healthy now I've been 16 years out so which is a, a great story as well, but a great place to to, to put your people in a family business. And, you know, the, the company now is uh, the same company's, let's call it 800 million. So it has quite the growth story as well.
1: So could you tell us just a little bit about Quanta's Genesis story? Yeah, sure. So when, when was the company first established? And you mentioned the original founder, but if you could just share a little bit of the background there, that'd be helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Quanta ipo in uh, 1997 around 150 million really the genesis around it was the utilities were consolidating and still are in many ways and there was smaller contractors uh you know that, that were in the business regionally locally and the the utilities would continue to look for larger uh, more sophisticated ways of, of contracting and um, john had to fortitude to consolidate the industry a bit with, I think it was four or five founding companies and IPO. And um, it's, I guess the rest is somewhat history. It continued to make acquisitions. I believe the company's made over 200 acquisitions over time. And one of the you know success stories of a what you would consider a roll-up, certainly more mature than that now, but back then that was where it started. And it was based around the consolidation of utilities.
1: Yeah. And and so could you just talk about what Quanta
0: does? Yeah, sure. I I mean, at the very core of Quanta, we're really all about craft, skill, labor and understanding that labor force and using that labor force and our ability to execute um, and cost certainty and layer on top engineering, engineering capabilities, technology. Solutions, so we become more of a solutions provider around utility-based infrastructure and energy-based infrastructure. Um, when we look at it, it's very similar. It's a reverse model that you would, you know, see to your traditional ENCs, where we lead with construction versus leading with engineering, um, and it provides cost certainty to our customers, which is what we're trying to accomplish. So, whether it be telecom. Um, energy services on the downstream markets we primarily work in the electric markets not the power plant side so typically we would take it to the from the power plant to the house but not in the house so kind of anything with a bed in it we don't we don't do Um, so we we would not be an electric company that would go inside a hotel or a hospital but uh, anything on the high voltage side we do and uh, on the gas side, same thing really we don't go down hole. we come out out of the the well, go all the way to the the downstream markets, and we really don't build balance the plant downstream. so uh, large multi-faceted plants we, we're not that's not us lng we'll, we'll do peripherals around it, but not to actually build the lng plant. primarily the, the craft skill labor around uh, you know energy utility infrastructure. Yeah,
1: and and you said that you guys lead with construction as opposed to, um, the end engineering. Could you just sort of describe what that means? And just full disclosure, my my wife actually works for Aecom, so. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you know maybe listeners who are first looking at, you know, ENC companies, understand exactly what you're talking about. So sure. could you just explain a little bit more what that means to lead with construction as opposed to back-end engineering?
0: Yeah, sure. So primarily when you look at a construction job, you know, a big piece of it will be labor and material. Engineering's normally less than ten percent. So we lead with the labor piece of that project. So we can lump sum a project. We self perform eighty five to ninety percent of our work, so we don't use subcontractors. So having that labor force, having the certainty around it, it allows us to tell our customer within you know very quickly what we believe the cost will be, and by the way, we'll stand by it. Um, So I'd say a good portion of our business we have certainty in, and um, we're not scared to stand behind the construction risk because that's what we are. We we understand those risks and we can price them, and the customer. They get a good product that, that, that they want that's bankable that we can lead and be certain that labor will show up as you know the u.s labor market is extremely tight craft skill labor is even tighter you know we'll, we'll go into it later i'm sure on what we've done but i would say in general the ability for us to deploy craft skill labor to any job site in the world makes a, makes a big difference to our customers where in the past Engineering companies could, could price subcontracts and things of that nature, but today that's not a certain thing. The, the subcontractors may or may not be there for them, and um, the, the client is uh, unwilling to take that risk.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't realize you guys self-perform on you know, such a large proportion of the work that you do. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, it's it's a big number. I, I think it's a misnomer in um, kind of the company and why we're different. I, I believe if you'll go to maybe AECOM or Fluor, some of those uh, guys that are still performing construction, you'll see that's much, much less than that. I'm probably inverse of, of what I'm saying.
1: My wife, just going back to her and AECOM, she, you know, a portion of the work that she does, she deals with a lot of different vendors. Yeah. But if you have that all in-house, that makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the the beauty about Quanta, the balance sheet, the things that we've done. You know, I think the vision was always that when we consolidated, we could handle larger projects, and we just signed the largest project of the company. That's really starting to come together. It's taken this long to get there, but we're here, and we're starting to see kind of the the vision come to pass here as, as we move into move into twenty twenty.
1: Yeah. So, could could you talk about who your customers are? And it, it, you don't have to name specific names if you can't or don't want to. But I'd love to hear just kind of some examples of who who your customers are for each of your segments.
0: Yeah. So, if, if you on the electric side, it would be primarily we work for ninety five percent of the utilities, such as Florida Power and Light, Southern Company, Duke Energy, CenterPoint Energy. PG&E, Southern Cal Edison, um, and then we'll work for municipalities such as Lower Col- Colorado River Authority, primarily investor-owned utilities. They can be gas or electric. Many of them are consolidated today, so you could get an Atmos gas that's not or a center point energy that is. So uh, many of our customers have consolidated own gas assets, so it allows us on the distribution side uh, of the business, which we call local distribution networks on the gas side. It could be the same customer. We're working for them both gas and electric, which is really our model. About 60%, 65% of the business is a utility piece to it, whether it's gas or electric. Uh, then we got the telecom piece of the business, which is Verizon, AT&T, CenturyLink, Comcast carriers that you know deploy fiber and, and use move data across their systems. So um, that's a big piece of the telecom business. On the gas side, it's, we go anywhere from the Valeros, uh, Exxon Gulf downstream, Exxon Chevron downstream over into uh, large pipe uh, carriers such as TransCanada, Enbridge. Anyone that's moving molecules across uh, the systems, that's, that's where we're at. From that standpoint, so we'll go all, all across the board. Yeah,
1: and geographically, where are you guys, where are your operations?
0: Yeah, so if you look at us geographically, about let's call eighty percent of the business is U.S. based. You got about seventeen percent in Canada and three percent between, uh, primarily in Australia, a little bit in Latin America, but not much.
1: Yeah, well, I've always been curious about the Australian business. Why? What, what's the attractiveness of? I mean, it's been small for a while,
0: right? Sure. Uh, Australia is a crown, so when we think about ca- Canadian and Canadian labor and how we can move Canadian labor back and forth, it's very easy to move Canadian labor to Australia. And so, Australia's in very early stages of renewables. They're a little bit behind the U.S., as far as infrastructure goes. So we're able to kind of see models change and the models are changing to our really U S based models. So for us, we can get ahead of those things and it allows us to, you know, have an advantage a competitive advantage on infrastructure. We've taken it fairly slow due to the growth in the, in the North America. But I think in general, it's a great market long-term it's got good, good laws, uh, they speak english many of our customers are there so we typically follow our customers Um, some of our um, canadian clients such as Aco, have have infrastructure in australia so it really gives us some advantage there and i I like the market long term
1: yeah yeah and so what about the asset portfolio apart from having you know, a, a large employee base um, and you know, sophisticated set of individuals who can do all sorts of different things. What t- what types of assets does does Quanta own?
0: I mean, as far as uh, property, plant, and equipment, I mean, we own what trucks, diggers, things like that. I think we are in the fifth largest fleet, and it's mainly just equipment that would allow us to build infrastructure. Primarily, we do own some small assets as far as, uh, utility-based assets. We own a little bit of a system in Canada and a few more things here or there, but it's very minor in the overall scheme of the business.
1: Yeah. Okay. What about your competitors? Who are your competitors? At least here in the United States yeah, and Canada.
0: It, it's a good question. I, I think in general, Quan is unique in many, many ways. We have local competitors on any side of the business, which can be regional based. When you when you look at it in the public markets, you have Mosaic, um, which is a, a competitor on the on the gas side, a little bit on the electric, um, some on the telecom, and you have you know, a DICOM that's just telecom. You'll have Myers that's just electric. Primaris, um would be someone, but you know all, all of them are unique to their own way, and I think we're just a little bit different, and from some and a lot different from others, and we'll get thrown into the floors of the world or ACOM Jacobs at times, but we're different. All of them, for that matter, we're just different. And um, so we're just in a weird spot that we constantly try to educate the market on who we are and what we're trying to accomplish, which is really just provide solutions to infrastructure around technology, um, the advancements of technology. And I think many of the things that you know the world's trying to accomplish it needs infrastructure and we're in front of every single piece of that and it's not government backed it doesn't need government money which is i think is another unique piece to it as well If you'd
1: like to continue listening to this interview you'll need to become a member To become a member just visit stockpodcast.com Members have access to all full length episodes and depending on the membership that you purchase You can even have access to the transcripts. So just go to the website, thestockpodcast.com, and click membership at the top. Also, if you really enjoyed the music, you should check out Danheim. That's D-A-N-H-E-I-M. Mike at Danheim gave me permission to use the music for the podcast, and so a huge thanks to Danheim. And with that, take care and good luck with your portfolio.